It was a classic kind of iconic cultic TV show back in the early 70s. As a teenager, I used to watch it. It's called Monty Python's Flying Circus. I know they have some movies out, but in the episode that I recall most of all, it was kind of reoccurring as the, in, the, in the show itself, but it kind of deals with our theme of confession and absolution today was the Spanish Inquisition. Now in this skit, there was another skit going on, and then someone in that skit would say, well, I didn't expect a Spanish Inquisition. And then at that point, Cardinal Fang was his name, and dressed in red cardinal's robes, would burst in and say, nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. Our chief forms of weaponry are fear, surprise, and an almost fanatical devotion to the Pope. Then they would haul the person away into the dungeon in this inquisitional jail. And they would say, confess, old man, confess. Or if it was a woman, confess, old woman, confess. As they placed him in the torture chamber of such devices as the comfy chair, or tickle them with feathers, or hit them with pillows. In other words, it was a mock on the Spanish Inquisition, but also a mock on confess and making confession. The word confess and confession causes uneasiness. It's kind of a misunderstanding today in the church and outside the church. And that's shown with Monty Python making fun of it. But confession is sometimes compared to simply saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But you use I'm sorry more when you kind of regret having done something maybe at that moment or maybe a couple moments before. I'm sorry I spilled my, my wine on you. Or oh, I'm sorry I stepped on your foot. But confession goes a little bit deeper. When we say, well, are you going to confess to me that you spilled wine on my shirt? Well, it's not like, no, I confess to you that I spilled wine on your shirt. No, it's, it goes deeper. It looks back deeper. When we use the word confess, it's an examination. To dig deeper into your thoughts or into your whole being and look at your waywardness and how you've strayed from God's desires. And we kind of exclusively use confess within a church setting, right? Be it, be it Roman Catholic, Protestant, doesn't matter. Confess is kind of reserved for that. But it bothers us. I think most of us. Because if we really take to heart what confession means and confess, we might say, well, I have nothing to really confess. I don't need to go to a priest. I don't need to go to a pastor. I have nothing to really confess. Yet on Sunday mornings, we have a general confession and an admission of guilt and acknowledgement. It's called public or general confession. And we have that at the beginning of the worship service so that we have the forgiveness of sins and then it frees us up for communication and worship of God because we are harboring no sin in our body. But that's one thing that kind of bothers us. Well, I have no sin to, to confess. 
And then there are people, and rightfully so, and I think this is where the misunderstanding comes in, that say, well, well, I don't have to confess to a person. It's not necessary to confess to a person. We can just confess to God our sins, which is true. But they kind of get hung up, perhaps, or misunderstanding of the person. And that kind of comes with, along with the Roman Catholic heritage. You know, if, you're, if you're Roman Catholic, you used to go to church every Friday and go to confession. And it kind of got a bad rap, the word did, because of that. Or your, an excuse might be, well, only God can forgive sins. Why would I even want to make public declaration of my sins? It's private matter. And that's true too. Only God can forgive sins. It's nobody else's business. But then usually when that happens, confession doesn't happen either. It remains silent. But what is threatening about this word confession? If I say to you confess, I think sometimes we feel, and I think rightfully so, it's putting the finger on you. It's sort of like saying, you know you're wrong. What did you do? That's kind of an impact that this word confess has. I don't think there's any word more powerful that kind of gets at the human condition other than confess. Let us make confession of our sins. It's like, well, something's wrong. It's not right. I've not been right with God. The God who created me, the God who's provided everything, and now I've not followed in the life that you want, and it's causing me to reflect on that. Be it as it may, confession and absolution are necessary in the life of the Christian. They are necessary in the life of the Christian. As we now near the end of our summer series on walking and being in the Christian life, and and paralleling that with highlights from Luther's catechism, it becomes clear that our Christian lives and the life of any other Christian is far from being pure. It's far from being uh, without sin, isn't it? We've relied on our own self-righteousness. We kind of look to ourselves we aren't, totally confe- we aren't totally dependent on God. And so we need to examine ourselves. There are times when we hold ourselves up even as, in our self-righteousness as a model according to which others should live, like me, which is also sinful. The life of the Christian is a life of repentance. Repentance is confession. The life of the Christian is a life of repentance. It's a life of that mark of the Christian in which we, our lives, in our walk with Christ, are marked by faith and by grace and his forgiveness and not our walk based on how good we are. We don't look in the mirror and see something pure. And if God's word or confession is like a mirror, we can see who we really are when we examine ourselves in the eyes of the creator. Our lives are lived as forgiven people of God. 
and we're not forgiven unless there is a confession. As creatures, our DNA is fallen. We are by birth, nature, sinful, and unclean. Just not the actions that we do, but who we are. And when we get right with God, we confess that. We say it back to God, what he has told us about ourselves. You are sinful, you are unrighteous. But in me, you are forgiven. We have seen in God's word how it's the word of God that drives us to confession and repentance. We just don't come to it on our own. In the Ten Commandments, when we look at them, we see that we at times do not have God before other things in our lives. We do not always call upon his name. We do not always spend time in his word or in worship. We do not always honor father and mother. We can go down the whole list. Or even spouses. Our daily bread, forgiving others, living according to his will. We saw in the Lord's Prayer, um, even being able to stand in temptation, all reveal our need for repentance. And so we make confession. Our passage in Acts always impresses me whenever I read it. And if you go, go back and look at that passage, it's from Acts. And it's Acts. Okay, where did it go? In Acts 19, what happened here? What happened here? The seven sons of Siva, a Jewish priest, chief priest, were participating in demonic things. And then one day the evil spirits entered them because they were listening to God's word and said, this Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? And so the man who had evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them. And he gave them such a beating that they fled naked and wounded from their house. But then what happened? It says later on there that a number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. The sorcery, the evil that had once participated in them in worshiping Satan and demonic activity, God's word and Paul preached and they saw that it was wrong. And here we have the word confessed publicly. In other words, they were convicted and they publicly confessed what was their sins. And they did it because they didn't want to do it again. They didn't want to remain like that. 
We had uh, something like this happen in Guatemala when I was uh, teaching in Mayan Indian group of about seven students, and they were Mayan Indians. Their culture is different than just regular um, Latin American, and uh, very practical sessions we used to have. And the pastors, they were all pastors, and one meeting we were talking about, and I don't remember that, Holy Spirit, I think. Or maybe it was baptism. And we were discussing, and one pastor says, and could ne I could never have anticipated this question. He says, Pastor, what do I do about this situation? Oh, what's the situation? Situation is this. We have a man who used to be a sorcerer. And he's now a member of our church. He came to know the Lord, and he came into our church. But at night... The snakes on his incense burner that he used in sorcery, that's a clay incense burner, crawled off, or they crawl off every night, and they bite his legs. And he says, and they have marks on them. So, one of two things, right? One, oh, clay snakes can't come alive. But realizing that this is spiritual warfare going on here, and I don't see the world as they do, let's run with that. What are we going to do about it? The same thing's happening in Acts. A confession. We developed a little ritual, if you will, for when this happens, and it happened in other congregations in the Mayan highlands as well where they would face the West, in kind of traditional early church pattern, confess that they are no longer enslaved by these spirits, confess that they are done with them, and then face East, as was, was done in the early church, and there's nothing magical about that, and confess that the Lord Jesus has, has destroyed them break up their idols or their incense burner, bury them in the ground, and confess that they are done with them. Not a problem after that. Nobody complained. Nobody in future occasions brought back these stories. Why? Because of the power of confession. Not that they, with their words, but the fact that God's word went into their hearts, they could see themselves for who they were, and it doesn't have to be satanic deliverance. It's us with our own lives. At the time that we recognize that Jesus Christ is Lord, at that same time we recognize that we are sinful and that we need him. And the word for confess that's used in the scriptures is declare publicly like these people did in the books of Acts which is why we do this on Sunday morning we declare publicly what God has told us about ourselves in his word and that's what the word confess means in the Greek it means to say the same thing that someone has said about you. In other words, in agreement, in acknowledgement. You say, I'm sinful, O Lord. 
I am sinful. You say that I should be punished for my sins. I agree. I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto you my sins and iniquities. But then that same word is used in a gospel way. Because it's used to proclaim the Lord as Lord. Listen to some texts that we have in the scriptures on this. In Psalms 51 it says, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, which is declare publicly, and you will forgive the iniquity of my sin. Psalm 66, if I had harbored sin in my heart, the Lord would have not listened. So they want, get it out. That's confession. Repentance is a desire to not sin. Confession is getting it out, even in private or in public. Get it out. Shake it off. Wash it clean. Because then the psalmist says, the Lord would not have listened. However, God heard and he listened to my prayer. There's always those two things going on with God and his word. Psalm 51, grant me the ultimate joy of being forgiven. My bones which you have crushed, rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and wipe out my guilt. Create in me a pure heart and renew a right spirit in me. Do not reject me. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me, but let me experience that joy again of deliverance. Sustain me by giving me the desire to obey. The desire to change. And then of course we know in 1 John when he says if we do not if we say that we do not bear the guilt of sin, we are deceiving ourselves. In other words, we're not listening to God's word and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, it doesn't mean to go to a priest. It doesn't mean to go to a pastor. It means confess publicly before God our sins. He is faithful and just and will cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. In other words, we're not in agreement with his word, and his word is not in us. My little children, says John, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. So this word confession has two sides. It's a public acknowledgement of our sin before God. But then it also invites us to confess Christ as our Savior. Acknowledge that. Proclaim that. Now in the history of the church, there's been private confession. And there's been abuses with private confession. At the time of Luther, they still practiced private confession. People came into the church they confessed to Luther and other Lutheran pastors. In the Evangelical Lutheran Synod and uh, Wisconsin Synod, they still do private confession. It's not demanded. It's not commanded. But there are times in our lives when sometimes we believe we have sinned so grievously that we can't remind ourselves that we're forgiven. 
How many of us struggled with that? Just think about it. I don't want to see hands. I've struggled with it. If I've committed something, say, because the devil wants us to not feel forgiven. He wants us to remind us of past things that that we have done and rob us of that joy that the psalmist is talking about when he says, I want to experience again that joy. And then he'll say, hey, guess what, David? You killed a lot of people. So there are times when people need to talk to someone. And that's the function of the pastor. Is to be able to go and in privacy confess. Not for the pastor's sake, but for the sake of hearing independently someone say, God's word says, you are forgiven. Don't let that bother you. Don't let Satan put his daggers in you. God's word says you are forgiven. That independent voice does a lot, right? You can think about it even in your own lives. You say, I'm a good person, right? I'm a, I'm a pretty good person. Yeah, I can keep telling myself that. But when someone else comes up to you and says, you know what? You're a good person. Whoa, a little different, huh? I love myself. I'm a good person. When someone else comes up to you and says, I love you, different. The same with confession. We do, we do on Sunday morning. And the reason that I say, I by virtue as my office as a called and ordained servant of the word announce the grace of God and forgiveness of your sins doesn't mean I'm forgiving the sins. I'm telling you that God forgives your sins. And that's that independent part. So you don't have to keep going over in your head my sins are forgiven, my sins. It's an independent word directly from God. You are forgiven of your sins. By virtue of your confession, you are forgiven. And it's always my pleasure to announce that because where there is confession, there's always seeking forgiveness because confession is done in faith. We wouldn't confess if we didn't agree that God said that we were sinners. So by virtue of even the fact that we confess and we open up to God and say, God, I need your forgiveness. We believe in that God who then comes and says, I forgive you. There can never be a confession without a forgiveness in God's eyes. And so it is not I. In fact, the only reason that I'm here is because you called me. It could be any one of you who could be up here. Baptism, the Lord's Supper, preaching, this all belongs to the congregation. It doesn't belong to me. Pronouncing the forgiveness of sins, leading in worship, that's the gift that God gives to the church. Not to me. But I've been called. And this is what my job is. But anytime you want someone else to help with communion, the church decides to help with communion. So it's not about me. It's about God's gift of confession and absolution to the church for our benefit. 
God is good all the time. And even in our confession, He is good because it brings us closer to Him and He always forgives our sins. In Jesus' name, amen.